Welcome to the Buddha's Wisdom Podcast. In this second series of the Buddha's Wisdom Podcast, we are going through the Majjhima Nikaya, the Middle Discourses of the Buddha. This episode is the 19th Sutta of the Majjhima Nikaya, the Dveda Vitaka Sutta, which translates as two types of thought. In this teaching, the Lord Buddha recollects how he was practicing in the lead up to his awakening. This teaching recounts how he divided his thoughts into two classes, reflecting upon how sensual, malicious and cruel thoughts lead to suffering, and thoughts of renunciation, goodwill and harmlessness lead away from suffering. This is a practical teaching which can help meditators to distinguish between harmful and harmless mental states in order to renounce and let go of harmful mind states and to cultivate harmless, beneficial mind states. This translation of the Dveda Vitaka Sutta is by Bhikkhu Sajato and was sourced from Sutta Central. This and other useful links can be found in the show notes to this episode. The Dveda Vitaka Sutta Two kinds of thought. So I have heard. At one time the Buddha was staying near Savati in Zeta's grove, Anatapindika's monastery. There the Buddha addressed the mendicants. Mendicants! Venerable sir, they replied. The Buddha said this. Mendicants, before my awakening, when I was still unawakened but intent on awakening, I thought... Why don't I meditate by continually dividing my thoughts into two classes? So I assigned sensual, malicious and cruel thoughts to one class, and I assigned thoughts of renunciation, goodwill and harmlessness to the second class. Then, as I meditated, diligent, keen and resolute, a sensual thought arose. I understood, this sensual thought has arisen in me, It leads to hurting myself, hurting others, and hurting both. It blocks wisdom. It's on the side of anguish, and it doesn't lead to extinguishment. When I reflected that it leads to hurting myself, it went away. When I reflected that it leads to hurting others, it went away. When I reflected that it leads to hurting both, it went away. When I reflected that it blocks wisdom, it's on the side of anguish, and it doesn't lead to extinguishment, it went away. So I gave up, got rid of, and eliminated any sensual thoughts that arose. Then, as I meditated, diligent, keen, and resolute, a malicious thought arose. A cruel thought arose. I understood this cruel thought has arisen in me. It leads to hurting myself hurting others, and hurting both. It blocks wisdom, it's on the side of anguish, and it doesn't lead to extinguishment. When I reflected that it leads to hurting myself, hurting others, hurting both, it went away. When I reflected that it blocks wisdom, it's on the side of anguish, and it doesn't lead to extinguishment, it went away. So I gave up, got rid of and eliminated any cruel thoughts that arose. 
whatever a mendicant frequently thinks about and considers becomes their heart's inclination. If they often think about and consider sensual thoughts, they've given up the thought of renunciation to cultivate sensual thought. Their mind inclines to sensual thoughts. If they often think about and consider malicious thoughts, their mind inclines to malicious thoughts. If they often think about and consider cruel thoughts, their mind inclines to cruel thoughts. Suppose it's the last month of the rainy season, when the crops grow closely together and a cowherd must take care of the cattle. He'd tap and poke them with his staff on this side and that to keep them in check. Why is that? For he sees that if they wander into the crops, he could be executed, imprisoned, fined or condemned. In the same way, I saw that unskillful qualities have the drawbacks of sordidness and corruption, and that skillful qualities have the benefit and cleansing power of renunciation. Then, as I meditated, diligent, keen and resolute, a thought of renunciation arose. I understood, this thought of renunciation has arisen in me. It doesn't lead to hurting myself, hurting others or hurting both. It nourishes wisdom. It's on the side of freedom from anguish and it leads to extinguishment. If I were to keep on thinking and considering this all night, all day, all night and day, I see no danger that would come from that. Still, thinking and considering for too long would tire my body. And when the body is tired, the mind is stressed. And when the mind is stressed, it's far from immersion. So I stilled, settled, unified and immersed my mind internally. Why is that? So that my mind would not be stressed. Then, as I meditated, diligent, keen and resolute, a thought of goodwill arose. A thought of harmlessness arose. I understood, this thought of harmlessness has arisen in me. It doesn't lead to hurting myself, hurting others or hurting both. It nourishes wisdom. It's on the side of freedom from anguish and it leads to extinguishment. If I were to keep on thinking and considering this all night, all day, all night and day, I see no danger that would come from that. Still, thinking and considering for too long would tire my body. And when the body is tired, the mind is stressed. And when the mind is stressed, it's far from immersion. So I stilled, settled, unified and immersed my mind internally. Why is that? so that my mind would not be stressed. Whatever a mendicant frequently thinks about and considers becomes their heart's inclination. If they often think about and consider thoughts of renunciation, they've given up sensual thought to cultivate the thought of renunciation. Their mind inclines to thoughts of renunciation. If they often think about and consider thoughts of goodwill, their mind inclines to thoughts of goodwill. If they often think about and consider thoughts of harmlessness, their mind inclines to thoughts of harmlessness. Suppose it's the last month of summer, when all the crops have been gathered within a village, and a cowherd must take care of the cattle. 
While at the root of a tree or in the open, he need only be mindful that the cattle are there. In the same way, I needed only to be mindful that those things were there. My energy was roused up and unflagging. My mindfulness was established and lucid. My body was tranquil and undisturbed. And my mind was immersed in samadhi. Quite secluded from sensual pleasures, secluded from unskillful qualities, I entered and remained in the first absorption, which has the rapture and bliss born of seclusion, while placing the mind and keeping it connected. As the placing of the mind and keeping it connected were stilled, I entered and remained in the second absorption, which has the rapture and bliss born of immersion, with internal clarity and mind at one, without placing the mind and keeping it connected. And with the fading away of rapture, I entered and remained in the third absorption, where I meditated with equanimity, mindful and aware, personally experiencing the bliss of which the Noble Ones declare, equanimous and mindful, one meditates in bliss. With the giving up of pleasure and pain, and the ending of former happiness and sadness, I entered and remained in the fourth absorption, without pleasure or pain, with pure equanimity and mindfulness. When my mind had immersed in samadhi like this, purified, bright, flawless, rid of corruptions, pliable, workable, steady and imperturbable, I extended it towards recollection of past lives. I recollected many kinds of past lives with features and details. This was the first knowledge which I achieved in the first watch of the night. Ignorance was destroyed and knowledge arose. Darkness was destroyed and light arose, as happens for a meditator who is diligent, keen and resolute. When my mind had become immersed in samadhi like this, I extended it towards knowledge of the death and rebirth of sentient beings. With clairvoyance that is purified and superhuman, I saw sentient beings passing away and being reborn, inferior and superior, beautiful and ugly, in a good place or a bad place. I understood how sentient beings are reborn according to their deeds. This was the second knowledge, which I achieved in the middle watch of the night. Ignorance was destroyed and knowledge arose. Darkness was destroyed and light arose, as happens for a meditator who is diligent, keen and resolute. When my mind had become immersed in samadhi like this, I extended it towards knowledge of the ending of defilements. I truly understood, this is suffering. This is the origin of suffering. This is the cessation of suffering. This is the practice that leads to the cessation of suffering. I truly understood. These are defilements. This is the origin of defilements. This is the cessation of defilements. This is the practice that leads to the cessation of defilements. Knowing and seeing like this, my mind was freed from the defilements of sensuality, desire to be reborn and ignorance. I understood, rebirth is ended. The spiritual journey has been completed. 
What had to be done has been done. There is no return to any state of existence. This was the third knowledge, which I achieved in the last watch of the night. Ignorance was destroyed and knowledge arose. Darkness was destroyed and light arose, as happens for a meditator who is diligent, keen and resolute. Suppose that in a forested wilderness there was an expanse of low-lying marshes and a large herd of deer lived nearby. Then along comes a person who wants to harm, injure and threaten them. They close off the safe, secure path that leads to happiness and open the wrong path. There they plant domesticated male and female deer as decoys so that, in due course, that herd of deer would fall to ruin and disaster. Then along comes a person who wants to help keep the herd of deer safe. They open up the safe, secure path that leads to happiness and close off the wrong path. They get rid of the decoys so that, in due course, that herd of deer would grow, increase and mature. I've made up this simile to make a point, and this is what it means. An expanse of low-lying marshes is a term for sensual pleasures. A large herd of deer is a term for sentient beings. A person who wants to harm, injure and threaten them is a term for Mara, the wicked. The wrong path is a term for the wrong eightfold path, that is, wrong view, wrong thought, wrong speech, wrong action, wrong livelihood, wrong effort, wrong mindfulness and wrong immersion. A domesticated male deer is a term for greed and relishing. A domesticated female deer is a term for ignorance. A person who wants to help keep the herd of deer safe is a term for the realized one, the perfected one, the fully awakened Buddha. The safe, secure path that leads to happiness is a term for the noble eightfold path, that is, right view, right thought, right speech, right action, right livelihood, right effort, right mindfulness, and right immersion. So, mendicants, I have opened up the safe, secure path to happiness and closed off the wrong path, and I have gotten rid of the male and female decoys. Out of compassion, I've done what a teacher should do who wants what's best for their disciples. Here are the roots of trees, and here are these empty huts. Practice absorption, mendicants. Don't be negligent. Don't regret it later. This is my instruction to you. This is what the Buddha said. Satisfied, the mendicants were happy with what the Buddha said. This ends the Dveda Vitaka Sutta. If you've enjoyed listening to the Buddha's Wisdom Podcast, please subscribe via your favorite podcast player for easy access to future episodes. And share this podcast with friends and family who may benefit from this easily accessible teachings. If you'd like to find out more about the Buddha's Wisdom Podcast or to offer some feedback, you can go to the everydaydhamma.net website, which is linked below. If you'd like to support this free distribution Dhamma project by making a one-off or recurring donation, 
Follow the ko-fi.com slash link in the show notes below. Thank you for listening. May you all find happiness and peace.